Merry Christmas, everyone. This is the second of three planned Christmas reflections, we'll call them. Two of them so far have been, counting this one, have been sermons given on Christmas. And this one is going to be a little different than the other one. It's from St. John Vianney, who at every opportunity preached on the four last things. Yes, even on Christmas, he preached on the four last things. Why would he do that? Because the most important thing in our lives is how we live our life with our eyes towards eternity. We forget that so often, especially in the modern world where it's just filled with distractions and conveniences and things. And St. John Vianney is well aware of that. He preached against those in his day in the 19th century. I'm curious how much of this you think applies to us today. I suspect a lot of it. Let me know what you think of this at the end. Merry Christmas, and God bless. Sermon of St. John Vianney, What True Wisdom Consists Behold, this child is set for the fall and the resurrection of many. See Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Such was the language of Holy Simeon when he had the consolation to hold in his hands the infant Jesus. Among other things which he then foretold, he declared that, this child was set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel. In these words he extols the lot of the saints, who after this life shall rise to a life of immortality in the kingdom of bliss. And he deplores the misfortune of sinners, who for the transitory and miserable pleasures of this world bring upon themselves eternal ruin and perdition. But notwithstanding the greatness of his own misery, the unhappy sinner, reflecting only on the enjoyment of present goods, calls the saints fools because they seek to live in poverty, in humiliation, and self-denial. But a day will come when sinners shall see their errors and shall say, We fools esteem their life madness and their end without honor. See Wisdom chapter 5 verse 4. We fools, behold how they shall confess that they themselves have been truly fools. Let us examine in what true wisdom consists, and we shall see in the first point that sinners are truly foolish, and in the second that the saints are truly wise. What great, greater folly can be conceived than to have the power of being the friends of God and to wish to be his enemies? Their living in enmity with God makes the life of sinners unhappy in this world and purchases for them an eternity of misery hereafter. St. Augustine relates the two courtiers of the emperor entered a monastery of hermits, hermits and that one of them began to read the life of St. Anthony. He read, says the saint, and his heart was divested of the world. He read, and in reading, his affections were detached from the earth. Turning to his companion, he exclaimed, What do we seek? The friendship of the emperor is the most we can hope for. And through how many perils shall we arrive at still greater danger? Should we obtain his friendship? How long shall it last? Friend, said he, fools that we are, what do we seek? Can we expect more in this life by serving the emperor than to gain his friendship? And should we, after many dangers, succeed in making him our friend, we shall expose ourselves to greater danger of eternal perdition. What difficulties must we encounter in order to become the friend of Caesar? But if I wish, I can in a moment become the friend of God. I can acquire his friendship by endeavoring to recover his grace. His divine grace is that infinite treasure which makes us worthy of his friendship. For she is an infinite treasure to men, which they that use become the friends of God. See Wisdom chapter 7, verse 14. The Gentiles believe it impossible for a creature to become the friend of God. For as St. Jerome says, friendship makes friends equal. Amitiera pares acipit aut pedis facit. But Jesus Christ has declared that if we observe his commands, we shall be his friends. You are my friends if you do the things I command. See John chapter 15, verse 14. 
how great then is the folly of sinners who, though they have it in their power to enjoy the friendship of God, wish to live in enmity with him. The Lord does not hate any of his creatures. He does not hate the tiger, the viper, or the toad. For thou lovest all things that are, and hatest none of the things which thou hast made. But he necessarily hates sinners. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. God cannot but hate sin, which is his enemy, and diametrically opposed to his will. And therefore in hating sin, he necessarily hates the sinner who is united with his sin. But to God the wicked and his wickedness are hateful alike. The sinner is guilty of folly in leading a life opposed to the end for which he was created. God has not created us, nor does he preserve our lives, that we may labor to acquire riches or earthly honors, that we may indulge in amusements, but that we may love and serve him in this world in order to love and enjoy him for eternity in the next, and the end life everlasting. See Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Thus the present life, as St. Gregory says, is the way by which we must reach paradise, our true country. In the present life we are, as it were, on the road by which we journey to our country. See St. Gregory's homily 11. But the misfortune of the greater part of mankind is that instead of following the way of salvation, the foolishly walk in the road to perdition. Some have a passion of earthly riches, and for a vile interest they lose the immense goods of paradise. Others have a passion for honors, and for a momentary applause, they lose their right to be kings in heaven. Others have a passion for sensual pleasures, and for transitory delights, they lose the grace of God, and are condemned to burn forever in a prison of fire. Miserable souls, if in punishment of a certain sin, their hand was to be burned with a red-hot iron, or if they were to be shut up for ten years in a dark prison, they certainly would abstain from it. And do they not know that in the chastisement of their sins they shall be condemned to remain forever in perdition, where their bodies, buried in fire, shall burn for all eternity? Some says St. John Chrysostom, To save the body, choose to destroy the soul. But do they not know that in losing the soul their body shall be condemned to eternal torments? If we neglect the soul, we cannot save the body. In a word, sinners lose their reason and imitate brute animals that follow the instinct of nature and seek carnal pleasures without ever reflecting on their lawfulness or unlawfulness. But to an act in this manner is according to St. John Chrysostom, to act not like a man, but like a beast. To be men, we must be rational, that is, we must act, not according to the sensual appetite, but according to the dictates of reason. If God gave to beasts the use of reason, if they acted according to its rules, we should say that they acted like men. And it must, on the other hand, be said that the man whose conduct is agreeable to the senses, but contrary to reason, acts like a beast. He who follows the dictates of reason provides for the future. Oh, that they would be wise and would understand and would provide for their last end. See Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 29. He looks to the future, that is, to the account he must render at the hour of death, after which he shall be doomed to perdition or heaven, according to his merits. Non est sapiens, says Bernard. Qui sibi non est. Sinners think only of the present, but regard not the end for which they were created. But what will it profit them to gain all things if they lose their last end, which also which alone can make them happy? But one thing is necessary. See Luke chapter 10, verse 42. To attain our end is the only thing necessary for us. If we lose it, all is lost. What is this end? It is eternal life. Finum veto vitam eternum. During life, sinners care but little for the attainment of their end. Each day brings them nearer to death and to eternity but they know not their destination. Should a pilot who is asked whether he is going answer that he did not know, would not at all, says St. Gus, and crowd that he was bringing the vessel to destruction. The saint then asks, Talis est quiret preter viam. Such are the wise of the world who know how to acquire wealth and honors and to indulge in every kind of amusement, but who know not how to save their souls. How miserable the rich glutton, who, though able to lay up riches and to live splendidly, was, after death, buried in perdition. 
how miserable Alexander the Great, who after gaining so many kingdoms, was condemned to eternal torments, how great the folly of Henry VIII, who rebelled against the church, but seeing at the hour of death that his soul should be lost, cried out in despair, Friends, we have lost all. O God, how many others now weep in perdition, and exclaim, What hath pride profited us, or what advantage hath the toasting of riches brought us? All those things are passed away like a shadow. See the Book of Wisdom, chapter 5, verse 8. In the world we made a great figure, we enjoyed abundant riches and honors, and now all is passed away like a shadow, and nothing remains for us but to suffer and weep for eternity. St. Augustine says the happiness which sinners enjoy in this life is their greatest misfortune. Nothing is more calamitous than the felicity of sinners by which their perverse will, like an eternal enemy, is strengthened. In fine, the words of Solomon are fulfilled with regard to all who neglect their salvation. Warning taketh hold of the, of the end joy. All their plot, pleasures, honors, and greatness, and in eternal sorrow and wailing. Whilst I was beginning, he cut me off. See the prophet Isaiah, chapter 38, verse 12. Whilst they are laying the foundation of their hopes of realizing a fortune, death comes, and cutting the thread of life, deprives them of all their possessions, and sends them to perdition to burn forever in a pit of fire. What greater folly can be conceived than to wish to be transformed from the friend of God into the servant of Lucifer, and from the heir of paradise to become, by sin, doomed to perdition? For the moment a Christian commits a mortal sin, his name is written among the number of the damned. St. Francis de Sales said that if the angels were capable of weeping, they would do nothing else than shed tears at the sight of the destruction which a Christian who commits mortal sin brings upon himself. Oh, how great is the folly of sinners, who by living in sin lead a life of misery and discontent. All the goods of the world cannot content the heart of man which has been created to love God, and can find no peace out of God. What are all the grandeurs and all the pleasures of this world but vanity of vanities? What are they but vanity and vexation of spirit? Earthly goods are, according to Solomon, who had experiences of them, vanity of vanities. That is mere vanities, lies and deceits. They are also a vexation of spirit. They not only do not content, but they even afflict the soul, and the more abundantly they are possessed, the greater the anguish which they produce. Sinners hope to find peace in their sin, but what peace can they enjoy? There is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. See Isaiah chapter 43, verse 22. I abstain from saying more at present on the unhappy life of sinners. I shall speak of it in another place. At present, it is enough for you to know that God gives peace to the souls who love him and not to those who despise him. And if, instead of seeking to be the friends of God, sinners wish to be the servants of Satan, who is a cruel and merciless tyrant to all who submit to his yoke. And if he promises delights, he does it, as St. Cyprian says, not for our welfare, but that we may be the companions of his torments and perdition. Let us be persuaded that the truly wise are those who know how to love God and to gain heaven. Happy the man to whom God has given the science of the saints. Oh, how sublime the science which teaches us to know how to love God and to save our souls. Happy, says St. Augustine, is the man who knows God, although he is ignorant of other things. They who know God, the love which he merits, and how to love him stand not in need of any other knowledge. They are wiser than those who are masters of many sciences, but know not how to love God. Brother Egidius of the Order of St. Francis once said to St. Bonaventure, Happy you, Father Bonaventure, who are so learned, and who, by your learning, can become more holy than I can, who am a poor ignorant man. Listen, replied the saint, if an old woman knows how to love God better than I do, she is more learned and more holy than I am. At this, Brother Egidius exclaimed, Poor old woman, poor old woman. Father Bonaventure says that if you love God more than he does, you can surpass him in sanctity. This excited the envy of St. Augustine and made him ashamed of himself. Alas, the ignorant rise up and bear the way of the kingdom of heaven. And what are we, the learned of this world, doing? How many of the rude and illiterate are saved because, though unable to read, they know how to love God? And how many of the wise of the world are condemned? 
Oh, truly wise were St. John of God, St. Felix of the Order of the, of the Capuchins, and St. Paschal, who were poor lay Franciscans and unacquainted with human sciences, but learned in the science of the saints. But the wonder is that though worldlings themselves are fully persuaded of this truth and constantly extol the merit of those who retire from the world to live only to God, still they act as if they believed it not. Tell me, brethren, to which class do you wish to belong to the wise of the world or to the wise of God? Before you make a choice, St. John Chrysostom advises you to go to the graves of the dead. Oh, how eloquently do the sepulchres of the dead teach us the science of the saints and the vanity of all earthly goods. For my part, said the saint, I see nothing but rottenness, bones and worms. As if he said, among these skeletons I cannot distinguish the noble, the rich, or the learned. I see that they all have become dust and rottenness. Thus all their greatness and glory have passed away like a dream. What then must we do? Behold the advice of St. Paul. This, therefore, I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that they that use this world be as if they used it not, for the fashion of this world passeth away. See the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. This world is a scene which shall pass away and end very soon. The time is short. During the days of life that remain, let us endeavor to live like men who are wise, not according to the world, but according to God, by attending to the sanctifications of our souls, and by adopting the means of salvation, by flying dangerous occasions, by practicing prayer, joining some pious sodality, frequenting the sacraments, reading every day a spiritual book, and by daily hearing Mass, if it be in our power, or at least by visiting Jesus in the Holy Sacrament of the altar and some image of the Most Holy Mary. Thus shall we be truly wise and shall be happy for time and eternity. Probably was an unusual sounding homily from St. John Vianney for Christmas, but if you're familiar with the works of St. John Vianney, this is pretty normal for him. He preached on sin and the four last things constantly, on judgment and the the reality of, of eternal perdition and the eternal fire, where the worm dieth not, even on Christmas. <laughs> Famous Christmas sermon of St. John Vianney. I hope you found this interesting, and I will have another, a third, hopefully lighter <laughs> sermon for you, or uh, ref Christmas reflection for you, that'll follow shortly. But God bless. <laughs>